The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Ball NBA DFS Today podcast. Today is Saturday, January 18th. My name is Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am here with the legend, the shark, Mr. DFS NBA, Mike Apatria. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? Good morning, Coach. It's uh, it's always lovely when we get to do these morning podcasts together because it's not only fresh and early in the morning and I got an IV of Hawaiian Isles Kona coffee going into my body right now, but uh, it's also like the first show that we do over like a three-day, four-day span because we take a couple days off, do a couple with Andrew. You have a day off here and there, so happy to be here, man. Happy to see you or talk to you and fired up. Same same here. It's uh, These Saturday shows are my favorite for sure because – We've got more information, you know, more the lines are current, and so it, it gives everybody a, a still a full day uh, to prepare, but uh, but yet, you know, everything's a little more up to date, so good stuff, man. Um, let's see, news and notes. We've got, we do have a lot of guys that are uh, on the questionable, probable, doubtful list, so uh, I've got all those connected here. We have all the lines as of uh, 9.44 Eastern time Saturday morning. Um, and with this 11-game slate, there are two games earlier. There's a 3.30 and a 6 Eastern. So we will go over those games. Uh, the main slate, however, is a really good one. Uh, nine full games, regular start time of 7 Eastern and uh, some outstanding matchups. So, uh, as always, we never miss a game here on Hoopball NBA DFS, so we will go over every one. Um, all right, I will set the stage on these games. We'll have uh, Mike, as always, jumping in, giving his breakdown and analysis. We will agree on some good stuff. We will probably chicken to challenge each other a couple times. And then hopefully through all of that, you're able to build a good core lineup uh, that you can utilize uh, in your cash and GPP games. So that is our goal. Um, first of all, I guess as we get started here, I want to thank our sponsor, MyBookie. Go to mybookie.ag, put in the promo code DFS today, all one word, and they will give you half of your deposit for free up to a grand. So if you put 2000 in, you're getting a thousand free dollars from my bookie. Cannot beat it. And I know we've got a lot of football listeners out there and I know today's a big game, uh, the two championship games to see who goes to the Super Bowl. So I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to get some wagers in there. So uh, hit up mybookie.ag. They will be Busy today, but they have, you know, the one of the uh, best customer service groups I've ever dealt with. They get payouts out right away, and you will love them. Um, also, our uh, first sponsor with hoop-ball.com and still with us and still enjoying it uh, is Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Uh, fantastic coffee. All of our pros drink that, and that's certainly 
is even more fun to talk about on our Saturdays because I know Mike and I are sipping on it when we're doing this pod. So great stuff. Uh, go to Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Uh, you can go right to their website or just jump on Amazon a couple of clicks and you will have that beautiful box with the gold clip at your front door the next day. So, all right, let's get into the two afternoon games that are separate from the main slate. One of them is at 3.30 Eastern, so we do have a somewhat earlier game. It is the Clippers at the New Orleans Pelicans. And as of right now, the Pelicans, I'm sorry, the Clippers are a five and a half point road favorite. And the total on the game is a nice, healthy 232.5, which actually happens to be the highest total of all 11 games. So right off the bat, uh, we are awaiting uh, and have some uh, news in this game, actually quite a bit of it. Uh, The Clippers' Paul George remains out. Uh, Harkless is questionable. On the New Orleans side, Redick is questionable. But we have a trio of Pelicans that are already ruled out, and that's Okafor, Kenrich Williams, and Drew Holiday misses another game. So a lot of shuffling uh, with players depth-wise in this game for sure. Uh, You know, the fun part about this game, the reason for the high total, is you have two teams that are playing really fast this year. Uh, The Clippers are up to eighth, and the Pelicans are sixth. As far as defensive efficiency, uh, Clippers are fifth. We know they have some prolific uh, defenders, not quite as much in the paint, but certainly on the perimeter. And the Pelicans have definitely struggled there. They are all the way down to 25th. So we should see a lot of good action in this game. There should also be a lot of good value. So let me turn this one over to you, Mike, and give us your analysis on what are the keys here and who are some good rostering guys? Absolutely. So uh, I'll just get right, this right out of the open. I really like this two-game slate, Coach. This is going to be a super fun two-game slate. Uh, should be good basketball to watch as well. And my favorite part about it, it's going to be loaded with value. Um, I've been you know, building shell lineups left and right. I think we have avenues where we can get multiple studs in here and it'd be pretty easy. So I'll start with the away team. Uh, Kawhi Leonard firmly in play at 10-3. Uh, should be a primary focus of mine. I'm looking to get uh, a nice, healthy core stack of Giannis, Kyrie, and Leonard. Um, wow. and I'm able to do so pretty easily, actually. So I'm definitely going to be looking to play Kawhi Leonard. The 10-3 price tag uh, does not scare me off whatsoever. The matchup is uh, very excellent for him. I can easily see him having one of his double-double type games in this one. Um, he's you know, been averaging about, uh, I believe, 40, 49 fantasy points uh, on the road this year. And wow. uh, a nice, healthy 55 over the last four games. So um, I have no problem looking at Leonard. Uh, another guy I'm going to be going to, I think, as one of my value plays. If Harkless is out, I think we should see some pretty healthy run uh, from a guy like Landry Shamet. 3,500, uh, okay. decent value play. You know that we can take advantage of the wings. Um, going against New Orleans, played 32 minutes uh, against Orlando after 
uh, Harkless was ruled out for the rest of the game. So I think that's a solid value play. And I'm not going to knock you if you want to look at the uh, Lou Williams slash Montrez Harrell stack. Both those guys firmly in play for me. Lou Williams should be seeing plenty of shot attempts in this one. Only played 24 minutes and 20 minutes in the past two games. But both those games were blowouts. So if this game's close, both those guys should see extended runs. So if you're not going to go with uh, Kawhi and you want to go with a more fair and balanced approach, I'd definitely be looking at those two guys. I wouldn't be playing all three of them together, though. Absolutely. No, I'm with you there. I think, uh, you know, it's almost impossible to fade Kawhi on this early two game slate. I do want to make one one uh, comment, though, uh, on these. I, I really when you play these two game slate early slates that are offered and there's such a disparity of time between them, like we have a three thirty and a six o'clock game. And, you know, this is real important because. Uh, I really got stung with this two weeks ago. What happens is you get all the news, everything locks on the on the two sites that you can't make any changes. So if you're playing on FanDuel or Fantasy Draft, the lineup you put in for that 332 game slate sticks. But generally, because it's not until six o'clock, that news is not going to come out if anybody gets scratched or anything changes. And two weeks ago, there were two guys that uh, weren't even on any radar of anywhere of anybody saying anything about them. One of them was a key guy, got scratched altogether. The other guy, they uh, announced it was going to be on a limits restriction, and it just blows up your whole two-game slate. So, you know, I would be careful with playing on the two sites that don't have late swap for this early slate and you know, your, your better bet at least just for these, these, uh, this one, two game early slate because of that, uh, disparity, in time is playing on either DraftKings or Yahoo. Cause then if you do get one of those weird, uh, you know, guys that are just, you know, got sick in, in uh, warmups and he's not going to play, you can, you can still, uh, make a change. So I just wanted to mention that because that was so tilting uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, had a really nice first part of the first game, waiting for that second game, and then boom, you know, you you got a zero and then a guy on a restriction that that wasn't listed. So I just wanted to mention that for now. When we have those, when we normally do these, and there's like a single game early, then none of that obviously comes into play. Or if you go to a site that allows you to play these two games in single format with a captain and all that, then you're good to go as well. But just wanted to mention that uh, because it just happened to me two weeks ago. So uh, I'm with you. I, I think, you know, on a two-game slate like this with Kawhi, this this spot against the Pelicans team with Paul George out is really almost unfatable. I think he needs to be. Uh, in on your your lineup, uh, just just like Giannis. I mean, I say plug in, um, and we'll get to Giannis here in a minute. But to Kawhi and Giannis are just such obvious. Build your team around those two guys. I'm with you completely. And and no question, the the Lou Williams Montrez Harrell thing is always very very tempting. Uh, like you said, they uh, Lou gets rest when they have blowouts so you got to be wary of that if you think they're gonna smack the Pel- the pelicans all the pelicans have been playing better ball but uh, it seems like montrez is somewhat blowout proof i know a game uh last week where they were up by like 25 in the fourth and he was still playing so 
he's a little bit safer play if you do think the game's going to blow out. Uh, so I wanted to make a mention there. But those are the definitely the three guys that are massively in play. And because there's some uh, decent value in these first two, you know, you may not even have to go any deeper, uh, in, at least with the Clippers, uh, as far as having to try to get one of the the uh, periphery guys to score for you. But uh, but I'm interested to hear your take on this Pelicans game with three, <clears throat> three probably four, because I have a feeling Reddick's not going to play based on what I read. But so with possibly four guys out, what is your take here on the Pelicans? Uh, yeah, so it's not going to be the quote-unquote easiest defensive matchup uh, per position, I guess you could say. You know, the two guys that are seeing the biggest increase with Drew Holiday out um, is, is Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram with the usage. Uh, both those guys get two tough matchups. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's probably going to be on Ingram. Uh, we're going to yeah. see Patrick Beverly probably on ball. So for those reasons, and knowing I'm going to be paying up for some other guys, I'm not getting to them as much as I'd normally like to. Yeah. Um, so, but I do think that there is going to be some value that we could take advantage of. We've been seeing Etwan Moore play some steady minutes. He's not really getting priced up. He's been returning that five X return. I'm generally not a guy going overboard on guys that are five X, but when you're talking about a two game slate, we can, we can definitely take that into account and that's viable. So I definitely right. think I'm going to end up with a ton of Etwan Moore if Reddick is ruled out again. Um, and I wouldn't mind looking at like an ancillary, uh, Josh Hart, but other than Etwan Moore, I think Derek favors is the other guy we're going to want to go to. Uh, it's a, it's a big going against the Clippers. They've been kind of poor against centers. He played 36 minutes against his former team uh, against the Jazz uh, yesterday. So um, yeah. that just kind of shows me that, you know, the minutes restrictions done. He's going to keep playing, keep getting run uh, until he tears his hamstring or ruins his hamstring once again. So I have no problem looking at him. Um, that's probably where I'm going to draw the line. I got to make a stance. And I think my stance is going to be kind of going away from Ingram and Ball. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree with you because, I mean, you, if you had to choose like four people, out of the entire NBA that you didn't want your DFS guy to be guarded by, I would say out of maybe those four people, Kawhi and and Pat Bev, maybe two of them. So I'm I'm with you there. That makes it very hard to pay uh, the price for those two guys, and I still think they'll be fairly highly owned. So I'm steering clear of them, uh, just as you are. Um, I'm not on the favors bandwagon though. I think. You know, it was a definite revenge narrative game. He did play super hard against Utah. I think he has some hard feelings there, and uh, he did well. But 36 minutes is off the, you know, out of the this world. You could have never projected him playing that long. That's the most minutes he's played uh, this season. And with Jackson Hayes on the team, um, you know, I and the Clippers not having like a prolific center like Gobert where they need a bigger body on him I think favors and Hayes split minutes enough that it you know it deters me from taking them I I think the only two guys that I have any interest uh in in this game are Etwan Moore like you said he's steady he's got a decent floor and then uh I guess I could combine one extra two the the two guards that have both got more minutes with all of these guys out, certainly Hart and also Frank Jackson. Um, you know, if you're looking to build out a team of where you're getting guys playing, you know, uh, lower to mid thirties uh, that aren't that expensive. Now, yes, their ceiling is limited, but 
their floor is probably pretty safe too, just based on the minutes. So that's where I stand on the Pelicans, man. Any any last words on this Clippers Pelicans game? No, I think uh, touching on Frank Jackson is uh, is a good call. Um, the steady minutes, like you said, I'm building a lot of stars and scrubs lineups on these two early slates, and uh, I'm basically just swapping out a bunch of those Frank Jackson types. Um, we'll get to the other guy I'm swapping them out with in the next game. So I think you know using the value, and if you're building multiple lineups, just keeping that core of your same studs that you like and pivoting between these value plays is the right way to go. I'm with you, man. All right, let's move on to that second early game then. It's a 6 o'clock Eastern game. Milwaukee Bucks at the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, right now, oh, the implied totals are all popping up now, so we can go over those. They're just uh, populating as we're speaking, so that's good Good to know. All right, so let's go on this uh, uh, first game. I'm going to refresh so that we have the latest because I like going over the implied totals because it gives you a little feel of what the industry's saying. Uh, oh, all of them are up except the Bulls Cavs now. So just so you know, that last game, the implied totals are the Clippers 119 and a half and the Pelicans 113. So pretty solid numbers. All right. The Bucks are a nine point road favorite against the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving. Um, and the total is 223. It's uh, a 120-and-a-half implied total for the Bucks, which is the highest of the, the entire day, and 111-and-a-half for the Nets. And uh, so this should be interesting. We've got uh, the number one pace team in the league in Milwaukee, number nine in Brooklyn. So another... Uh, fast-paced game. So out of these four teams in these first two early games, you've got four of the top nine paced teams. So that should make for a couple of exciting, uh, at least high DFS scoring games in these early games. Defensively, Milwaukee remains the best in the league because they've just been blowing everybody out. So they're number one defensive efficient squad. Brooklyn is a, a, a respectable 12th they have floated up a little bit uh, and uh, are playing a little bit uh, better on both sides of the floor. Um, on the Milwaukee side, I don't have any news written down for players. Uh, Brooklyn has three guys that have already been ruled out, and that's Garrett Temple, Joe Harris, and DeAndre Jordan. So that inevitably has an effect on this game without question. So I guess the, the deal here, Mike, as you break this down, is uh, does it stay close and is that going to affect who you play? And I also want to get your take on if you heard Kyrie Irving, who, you know, if anybody had any doubt that he was a pain in the ass sort of cancer guy, I mean, he's he's played 12 games for the Nets. Granted, he's played well, but he's already talking crap about they need better players if they're going to be competitive and what a what a terrible locker room guy. By the way, I saw a stat yesterday, Mike, where they 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 showed Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and uh, one other Celtic. I think it was Daniel Tice. They just showed they wanted to show it, it before Irving and after Irving, and all four guys their stats just blew through the roof compared to when they had to play with Kyrie. So I, 
I don't know, man. I know the guy's a talent. He's fun to watch. Uh, you know, I'll forever be a fan because he hit that big shot to beat the Warriors when he was with the Cavs. But, man, what a jerk to, you know, rile up a locker room after 12 games with an organization, after just coming off destroying an organization for a year. And, you know, prior to that, creating a big stink from where he was initially. So, dude, I don't know. I'd love to hear your take on this one. Uh, as far as the Kyrie Irving thing, yeah, it's it's not, you know, good locker room, uh, you know, speak or anything like that. You should never be talking ill about your teammates, especially when you know that you're still going to be playing alongside of them. Uh, they're most likely going to make most of they're going to make moves. He was he's absolutely right on that front, but it's going to be probably in the offseason. Um, the so, problem you know, is he named names, though. Yeah. And the that, interview. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's not going to go well, um, especially knowing that these are guys that are going to they're key parts of your team. You know, guys like he didn't mention Joe Harris. He brought up Garrett Temple over Joe Harris well, for some that's reason. Right. So like, there, there's definitely some controversy there uh, as far as and you know, Jared like, Allen, too. It's just like a kick in the teeth. Well, yeah, I, I think he's he's also peeling back the curtains because let's be real. Kyrie's got some hand in some of this organization. He wouldn't have came to the Nets if they weren't going to let him kind of have some LeBron-esque, uh, you know, pull uh, when it comes to trades and stuff like that. So uh, they brought DeAndre Jordan. They they keep talking about it. He's buddy-buddy with Durant and Kyrie. Right. So we know Jared Allen's probably on the outside looking in and is one of their most valuable trade assets. Um, so I, I think we just got a picture of he was just being upfront and honest. Like, these are the guys that we're going to have next year. These are the guys that we're looking to, you know, replace. Uh, is it the best way he did it? Absolutely not. Um, do I agree with it? Absolutely not. But is he wrong? Probably not. Uh, so I'm 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 kind of in the boat where I you know it's not it's not the good thing. Kyrie's kind of looking like he's that guy that's going to cause some issues, but he's also speaking his mind and he's never been shy to do that. So I'm not going to knock him for that either. Um, as far as I, these Celtics guys, I think he's better, completely out of line. Totally. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just don't think he's wrong in that same breath. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I when I think about the Celtics guys getting much better without Kyrie. Um, I'm not going to say that has anything to do with the atmosphere of the locker room necessarily. I think that's more along the lines of he's just a ball dominant player who garners a lot of usage. And you're looking at a bunch of young guys taking steps forward in their next as as their NBA's years progress. Yeah, but well. Kemba Kemba's a high usage guy too, so it's not like they just put in a a playmaking guard. Two different scenarios. Two different. Kemba was a high usage player when he was playing for the Hornets because he had no choice. Uh, he has yeah. to be. You know what I mean? He's he's very talented player. I've watched Kemba since he was at UConn. Being he from Connecticut, awesome. I've uh, I've talked to him in person. I, I love his game, and I'll never say an ill thing about him. Um, but I think in, in in aspect, when you look at Kemba's usage, he's been funneled usage throughout his entire basketball livelihood. Uh, whether it was at UConn, and then when he went to the Hornets, he was all they had. When you put yeah. him alongside of other pieces, he's a much better playmaker when he's looking to distribute as well. Uh, he's a very good pick and roll runner. So I have. I, I think, you know, it's also just a little bit of the atmosphere of how these teams have evolved over the years that you're seeing these other guys do so well, too. So I'm not going to give him credit that Kyrie left and that's why they're doing so well. I think it's just young guys getting better. Uh, Jason Tatum took a big step forward this year. We've seen Jalen Brown in the second half of last year into this year take a huge step forward. We, we know who Gordon Hayward is as far as a player. It's just kind of regaining that form that he had before his injury. Uh, and then Kemba not having to do as much now that he's not playing on the Hornets. Well, I'll agree to say it's it's probably a little of both. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna I, deny I, that. I, I don't gotcha. like playing with him in Boston. Um, but jumping into this game, uh, we yes. get off the tangent. 
Um, Milwaukee, I already touched on it. I'm playing Giannis. It's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. If you're not playing Giannis, you're still getting exposure to this game. I, I don't see how you can fade either one of these games and try to take like a game stack stance because they're both such high totals, such both good atmospheres where you're going to want key pieces from both sides. Um, I'll start with the Milwaukee side. Like I said, I, I'm, gonna pl- I'm playing Giannis. Um, and then another core play of mine, I think for some value, is going to be Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, got to give it out to Andrew. Hit the nail on the head when we were talking about it the other day on the show, looking at him as yeah. a play going against Boston. And boy, he was. He uh, big game. Out, 28 minutes. The minutes seemed safe off the bench other than that one game against uh, you know the Knicks, but that was also his lowest minutes total um, over the past like month. So I'm going to assume he's playing 24 to 26 minutes. I'm perfectly fine with paying 3,800 for him in this matchup. Uh, probably be one of my core value plays, pairing him with Giannis. And then sure. um, I mentioned another guy that I, I might look to get some minimal exposure to if I'm not playing fake Frank Jackson under that $3,400 price tag, and it would be a guy like Urson. Uh, and it's just because he's slow and steady. We pretty much know we're getting uh, that teens minutes from him. It's a good matchup for bigs. Uh, and he's always just low owned and he gets that 20 to 22 point mark uh, about 50 percent of the time. So I don't mind taking a stab on him. Is he a cash game play? No, because we have so many other valuable uh, options being Shamit that we mentioned. We just talked about Frank Jackson. We talked about Etwan Moore, uh, Dante DiVincenzo. So we have enough value where we don't need to go to him in cash and we don't need to trust him in cash. But in tournaments, I think he's a little viable and I'll have a stab on him. Very good. Very good. What about... Uh the Brooklyn side of the ball, how do you think, you know, with uh, three guys out, does that elevate people onto a uh, must-play list? In this in this kind of scenario, yes. If we're looking at an 11-game slate, probably not, just because we'd be able to, you know, look to some other options. But on DraftKings specifically, I don't know how you don't play yeah. Kyrie Irving at 7800 that's just criminally underpriced. He's back up to his very minutes. Very underpriced. And yeah. if you're playing Giannis, you're anticipating this game stays closed for four quarters, and it, it's got to be because of Kyrie. It's bottom line. Um, so I'm going to be yeah. stacking those two guys in a lot of my lineups. It's hard to not have interest in Karis LeVert with the injuries on the wings. Gary Harris and Garrett Temple both already ruled out. Um, yeah. You know, we don't know about that minutes, the minutes limit just yet. You know, he's been playing, I think the high side was 26. So at 4,500, if he's going to end up playing 26 minutes, I, I have no problem looking at him. And then Jared Allen. And obviously, uh, with DeAndre Jordan out, 5700 is more than a fair price tag. Generally, don't try to target too many centers going against the Bucks, but you know he's going to probably play at least mid to high 20s minutes, and at 5700, he can crush that salary. I'm with you, and you know I I think Kyrie is is you know his price will go up by this time next weekend when we're talking. He'll be uh, like a nine thousand dollar player probably mm. instead I have a- of 7400. And uh, actually, one more guy to bring up, and it's I guess you can call him one of your secret squirrel guys. He'll definitely fly oh, under oh. the radar. Um, near minimum salary, another guy to throw into that that bulk, um, I think Curix. I think we can take a decent look at Curix with the, the, the injuries on the wings. They might end up sliding Prince down to play a little bit more three, and that would open up an avenue, especially that there's no there's no real backup big over there. So I definitely think Curix is a, it will be a low-owned GPP-type option. Well, I, I played Curix in the last game because of this exact type scenario and he had been starting no less and he didn't get in until the very end of the game in a blowout situation so be very very cautious and if you you know if you're going to do that make sure it's in a gpp because uh you know i do not trust kuruk's minutes at all but uh i'm I'm with you i think Kyrie's automatic yeah yeah I think Allen's automatic with Jordan now because he's going to see extra minutes. 
even though it's you know against Milwaukee, it, it doesn't matter to me. I think that he's a good play, and you know I think those are the two main guys you go to in that game, uh, and then you know build out from there. So it's you know even though it's only a two gamer, you got the two highest totals with a lot of, of injuries and, and news. So uh, you know it's quite a slate just within itself. But again, be careful. Uh, you know, on those slates where you can't do late swap with having two and a half hours in between the two games. So, all right. Uh, how about we move on to the main slate? Quick, so uh, get, quick, quick, yes. before we go too far. Um, in the same breath, uh, I think, you know, I don't want to keep harping on Keurig's like I'm going to have him as a must-own play or anything like that. But in that last game where you said you got burned by him, there's 36 minutes off the table now, though, because Joe Harris played 26 in that. Jordan played 10. So those 36 minutes have to go somewhere. Um, yeah. it, it's got to be either him or the outside chance, if you if you don't want to play him, uh, Cabrero, because I just don't think that they're going to come out here and throw Levert into 30-plus minutes. I think we're looking at that 26 to 28-minute range for him. So those minutes have to go somewhere. All right, Chief. We got you. Uh, let's, let's crush this nine game main slate. Like it's nobody's business. Let's get it done and let's start building now. You know, I love, you know, me, the more games, the better. I think it allows us to use, uh, our edge and really dig in and find the right plays. Uh, you'd be surprised that uh, there's a huge tick up in listenership and on the sites that provide lineups and information a huge tick up as well when there's more than like six or seven games and when it gets like this where it's over 10 people get totally intimidated trying to figure out what to do and so that in a, in itself tells you that you know there's a huge advantage to be had here uh, plus remember we've got you know this is the last double football game sunday where you get some of those football fish floating around trying to grab some basketball money. So take advantage of that today, too. I mean, I think it's a, it's a nice little edge to look at. Uh, all right, the first game, 7 o'clock, Phoenix Suns at the Boston Celtics. Celtics are a seven-point home favorite. Over-under is 225. It's a 116 implied total for Boston and 109 for Phoenix. We know uh, as of right now that uh, Cam Johnson is questionable. He got dinged a little in the last game. Uh, uh, Kelly Oubre is in concussion protocol, which really sucks because he's been playing great. So he's already been ruled out. Um, On the Boston side, we've got uh, Jalen Brown questionable. He missed the last game. So definitely very questionable there. Want to keep an eye on that. And then two probables, Daniel Tice and Mike uh, Martin, Martin Smart. Well, who's Martin Smart? Marcus <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Those two guys are probable, so they're they're looking to play. Uh, from a pace standpoint, Phoenix is 10th, Boston 18th, so middle of the road type of game. And then same on the flip side on defense, we've got uh, – the Suns at 18th, and Boston is a solid fourth. So that's also something to keep in mind here. Um, so it looks like a very good competitive game where I think you may be able to find uh, a guy or two to start your build without question. So uh, what, what do you think about the Phoenix side, Mike? 
Uh, so Phoenix, I think uh, my primary option and focus that we're going to have to look at would have to be DeAndre Ayton with him back in the starting lineup, came out and just absolutely decimated the Knicks for almost 60 DK points. Great, yeah. great shooting performance, more than 20 rebounds. We know Boston's front court tends to be their weak spot, so that's the spot I generally like to attack. So I think Ayton's going to be my top option. Other than that, I think we can, you know, we can look at Bridges. Obviously, we know he's not a great point-per-minute guy. Uh, and he's going to draw ownership just because of the simple fact that he's starting. So that kind of you know limits him for just cash games. If you want to look at him, probably not going to be looking at him too much in tournaments. Uh, but he can get done with steals in other ways. So those are going to be my two primary options. I probably won't be going to Booker too much. He's really struggled against the Celtics outside of that like 73-point game or whatever he had against them. Um, yeah. So I'll let other people you know go with their ownership, take it there, and pay the 8400 for him. And I'll, I'll take my options elsewhere. Yeah, he's he definitely is expensive. Um, Rubio had a hell of a game his first game back uh, just from having uh, a child. It seems to be the narrative that's been consistently working for quite some time now. First game back after having you know having a becoming a dad and having a baby, uh, guys just go bonkers. Uh, it's so funny, but uh, you know he's playing good ball, but. Definitely not the, the easiest matchup with Boston's defense. But, you know, Rubio stays in play for me because his price remains fair. I think that uh, Aiden is a great play. Boston struggles against centers. Uh, Aiden seems to, you know, I don't know if that couple of games where Monty was bringing him off the bench to back up Baines, if that lit a fire under his butt. But, man, is he playing some serious ball now. And he he looks terrific. So I'm... A big fan of his in this game. Um, really on on the Boston side too. I mean, you've got some a ton of playable guys. If Jalen Brown sits again, it automatically you know puts uh, Tatum and uh, Kemba and even Hayward in play. Um, the last game I went to with Brown out, I used Marcus Smart and he crushed it, man. He had a great game hit a bunch of threes and everything else. So I don't know if I'd be going to the well once too many there, but all, all of those Boston guys to me are in play and which should be a, a pretty high scoring game and, and an exciting game. So what, what do you think about the Celtic side? Um, generally, I don't, I don't look towards Tatum too much, uh, but I like him He's in this expen- spot. He is expensive. Oh, not on DraftKings. That's kind of why I like him. His price tag is down on DraftKings. He's only 7,100, so he's cheaper than Kemba. Wow. Um, and that's a big dip because this guy, you know, over the past three games, he was 78, 77, and 8. So yeah, seeing he's a really... over 8,000 on FanDuel. So yep. there so you I go. Have, I think he's going to be my top option if I'm looking on DraftKings. And I think I couple him with a, uh, you know, he's 1A, and then the 1B would probably be Hayward for me. I just like Hayward in this mm-hmm. matchup. He's underpriced as well, only 6K on DraftKings. Uh, nice little cash game play with some tournament appeal in it. So you know he's pretty much going to get you that 30-point floor other than a few outliers here and there. And uh, he definitely has some 40-point upside in this matchup. So those would be my two primary options. If you want to look at a guy like Kemba, not going to knock you. Um, my, my trademark phrase, big shout out, uh, over there on Twitter. Uh, probably, <laughs> I, I got a real quick crack up. I got to give him, uh, Tyler Alonzo. Yes. Uh, you know, avid listener. He's always faithful. We're always going back and forth on Twitter a little bit. And he, he had me cracked up. He said, you need a t-shirt that says in quotations at the end of the day, my face in the middle and then under it, I'm not going to knock you. And uh, <laughs> I might have to get one of those made up there. Cause that was, you know was what? Fun. And on the back, it's, and it, on the back, it said, it should say juice on the bone yeah. that, and that be covered <laughs> completely. So great. That was a great tweet, man. That was funny. So shout out to you as well. 
So I do think there's a little juice on the bone, but I don't, you know, with all, I'd rather play Tatum. I don't want to target somebody going against Rubio as much. I'd rather take advantage of the Tatum. So um, I'm not going to knock you if you want to play smart in Kemba, but I, I have Tatum and Hayward just a little bit uh, higher ranked. I'm with you, and I think some of that might be site dependent. I think Tatum, you know, that's a bargain basement price on DraftKings, so a little bit, little bit uh, tougher on Fanduel. But uh, you know, certainly those guys are in play. I think this should be a really, uh, you know, interesting game for sure. All right, let's go to the uh, the next one. It's a 7:30 game: Detroit Pistons at the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, we have the Atlanta Hawks on the second night of a back-to-back, so something to be aware of there. You'll see that's a common theme with a lot of these teams. Uh, I think what you'll find is we had a lot of teams play last night. We have a boatload of teams playing today. And then tomorrow is really weird. It's a two-game Sunday slate, which is the only one of the entire year with only two games. But that's because Monday is a holiday. Uh, Martin Luther King Day, and you're going to have games throughout the entire day on Monday. So <clears throat> a little bit different uh, way it, it turns out here. So you'll have quite a few teams you'll see on a back-to-back, Atlanta being the first one we mentioned today. Um, the uh, Pistons are actually a one-and-a-half-point road favorite, which doesn't say much for the Hawks uh, winning any games, although they just are coming off a win. Um, that over under here is 227 and a half Pistons 114 and a half implied and Atlanta 113. So uh, as of right new right now we don't have any player news on either side. So it makes for an interesting game. You have the whole you know Drummond thing, Trey Young thing. I know those will be two tr- uh, popular guys today. Uh, what, what's your take? Uh, start at the top. I'll start with the Pistons. It's I don't know how you don't have interest in Andre Drummond uh, for so many different reasons. I mean, he's it's the matchup. It's a super superb matchup. He's the price yeah. tag is fair. Ninety five hundred with Blake Griffin off the floor. We've talked about it. He probably should be over ten k with Blake off the floor. All those reasons. And then you also have the trade narrative. You know, they these two teams They're, are talking. That's the team that wants him. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And you you can't imagine the Pistons finding a better way to drive up Drummond's value than letting him explode on them. Uh, especially since the Hawks kind of lowballed him with an offer involving like a first-round pick and Damian Jones. They said it wasn't wow. enough. So uh, you, you have to factor in that the Pistons might say, hey, buddy, you want to get out of here faster? Do it against them because they're the team that's the most interested in you. So um, I'm going to have a ton of interest in Drummond in this matchup for all those reasons, uh, and that's probably the only option I'm really looking at on this uh, on this Pistons side of the ball. If you want to play Derrick Rose, um, quote-unquote, not going to knock you. I don't ever play Derrick Rose too often, but he's been playing well over the last – a uh, couple weeks and you know price tag fair and it's a fantastic matchup so only two yeah. options i'm looking at uh, with that being like the 1a and then the 2a and then over there on the atlanta side um i like trey young probably not going to get to him on this slate uh, he has he has all the upside and all the explosiveness to get there but we're going to get to two guys later in the slate who are only you know less than a thousand dollars more on dk so um for the price difference i'd much rather just go up to them and uh, that's that's probably it for me. You know, I'm not going to be looking towards that uh, the Damian Jones value anymore with Bruno Fernando back in the lineup. They're going to be chopping up the minutes there. I Good think call. where there's at a, a fair price tag, uh, 6,500. You know, he can he can pay it off. Shooting guards have done well uh, against the Pistons this year, but 6,500 gets you a lot more on the rest of the slate as well. There's no doubt. Well, for me, uh, my first pillar of the day is Drummond for all, all the reasons you just very 
uh, articulately said. Uh, all, all those reasons make sense. I think he's going to come out and have a terrific game, uh, 2020-type style game. So he's he's a must-play for me. Um, as far as any of the other Pistons, you know, Seku's been playing well. He's done a nice job. You know, he becomes playable for me, although his price certainly has adjusted to that, you know, last weekend or whenever it was that we had him almost at minimum for two or three games. But he's certainly within reason. I mean, he's playing a decent game. Um, Nobody else from the Pistons, though, uh, really excites me except for Rose. I think uh, I think Rose is also uh, showcasing right now the Pistons. I think they want to move Rose and Drummond and start the new Pistons movement. I really believe that's the case, and I do believe they'll both get moved. So I think you'll continue to see 30-plus minutes for Rose where he's playing good ball, and obviously when he's in there against Trey, he gets to go against a uh, horrible defender. So uh, Rose is in play for sure. Uh, Seiko a little bit. Drummond is a must-have. For me on the Atlanta side – I'd like to punch Kevin Herter right square in the nose, man. That dude, I have chased him like three or four times as, you know, important plays in my roster. And last time, last game, I left him out. And doesn't he drop 54 fans? <laughs> that dirty dog, man. So I guess he, is, he is on. He's on my poo-poo list with guys like I Joey. He's going off tonight. He's going. If you don't, if, oh, no, not I'm not playing him, too. I know, but when you poo-poo somebody, oh, man, they, do they have a track record of going buck wild next night? So it's my, like now my, I, gotta, I wasn't going to play him, and now I got to think about it. My son says that every time. Every time we're watching a game, and I'll say something like, man, this Bruce Brown just, I mean, he is not, he has no offensive game. Within 15 seconds, whack, three pointer. <laughs> I'm like the kiss of death when it comes to that. It's so funny. But um, anyway, so, yeah, Herder, I'm, I'm not chasing that big game. I refuse. Um, you know, Trey Young, uh, you know, tempting, but the price tag is just so brutal. Um, you know, I really don't like anybody from the Atlanta side, to be honest with you. I, I think, like you said, some of that internal – rotation uh, of minutes is, is going to be uh, affecting some people. And, um, you know, John Collins is super expensive. I think he gets a little bit more difficulty and pushback and the pain in this game. Uh, so, you know, I'm good to move on after uh, uh, rostering a couple of those Pistons. All righty. I'm cool with it. 7:35, Philadelphia 76ers at the New York Knicks. We have the Sixers are minus four, and it is a 217 uh, total, which is the third lowest on the board. I guess expecting uh, a sort of a grind out game here. The the Sixers are apply total 111. Knicks 107. I was surprised that the Sixers are only a four-point favorite. It's a little bit of interesting uh, stat there. But uh, the Philadelphia, I guess, part of that is because they're on the second half, second night of a back-to-back, so that affects them a little bit. Um, the Knicks uh, uh, are 17th pace-wise, Philly 19th, so that maybe has something to do with a, a lower total as well. 
Defensively, Philadelphia remains at sixth, even though uh, with Embiid out, they've uh, floated down a spot or two. And the Knicks are the third worst defensive team in the league. Um, we know Joel Embiid remains out on the Philly side. Uh, for the Knicks, uh, Smith Jr. and the big news is R.J. Barrett are, has already been ruled out. Um, and that uh, brings this guy into play a little bit. Bit, and it's Reggie Bullock who is probable. So he should be playing uh, in this game. So my first question to you, Mike, as you break this game down is, do you see this as Vegas does as a close game, even though the Knicks have been getting drilled by some teams? The Knicks are a weird team, man. I actually could see them keeping it fairly intact. Um, okay. It's not going to increase my ownership necessarily in this game anymore. Um, but I'm not really factoring in the blowout. When when I'm looking at the Philly side of the ball, the thing that's like kind of staring me clear is just uh, these guys' price tags, um, coupled with the pace of the game. I just I just don't see any of them being too tournament viable. On the Philly side, I think you could look at them all in cash games and, you know, get that 5x return from them. But I'm not seeing blow up games from anybody as far as, you know, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris and Al Horford. I will have some interest in Matisse Thibel. Uh, if he's going to keep playing 35, 36 minutes like he came out and played against Chicago, that definitely yeah. raises the floor. Uh, proceed with caution, though. We'll have plenty of value to go to. So he's probably the only guy I'm really going to have too much tournament exposure to uh, on the Philly side. And then I do have a little bit more interest. You, you touched on Bullock. Um, I think he's viable. I think he's more of a cash game kind of uh, value right. just because he's priced up a little bit. On DK, he's uh, 4100 so you're not really getting a minimum salary for the minutes, and he's not a great point-per-minute type guy either. But I think this is going to be a Marcus Morris game. Um, I do like Mar- Marcus Morris in this matchup. Mm. Um, back in the lineup, played 33 minutes in his first game back against the Suns, so I'm not really worried about the minutes total. He gets up a little bit going against Philly too because he, he's a Philly guy. He's from Philly. I know this game's going to be played in the Garden. Uh, but he's yeah. going against Philly. So he gets up. He's played two games against them this season, averaged 36 and a half uh, minutes. And in those games, he's averaging 42.3. Uh, I'm sorry, 42.8 DK points. So nice. uh, I'm definitely going to have some interest in Morris. He's probably going to be my primary option if I'm looking at anybody on the Knicks side. And I expect him to kind of go a little, you know, lower owned on this slate just because he's not a big name that usually stands out to too many people. Interesting. Interesting. Um you know, as far as the way I look at this game, I, I don't. I just I feel like Philadelphia is a, a such a better team, even without Embiid. But you know, I'm I'm gonna game script it as it stays somewhat close as well. You know, I think you know you you've got a lot of ways you can go in this game. I mean, the Knicks don't defend well, that's for sure. So, you know, Ben Simmons re- is definitely in play. I think Tobias Harris. Uh, is in play. Those two guys will will be owned. Um, you know, Horford certainly does a nice job with him beat out. His stats go up. Uh, so another guy that that may be rostered. Uh, certainly, all of those guys are good cash game plays. <clears throat> on the on the Knicks side, you know, I don't think I'm going to actually go to like a Reggie Bullock type play. Uh, you know, like you said, if if you're going to really take a dumpster dive shot like that, you want to make sure you're at least uh, at minimum cost and, and fully taking advantage of him being able to hit 5x. But, uh, you know, I it's hard for me because I really like Randall and I really like Morris, but are they going to rob each other of some stats because they're both just such scrappy players? Uh, I think they're both 
uh, in their own way, good plays. But because I think both of them will do well, I, I think it affects both of their ceilings. And this total is not uh, that super high. So, um, you know, I, Alfred Payton's been their main guy at point. Uh, Nilakini is back. So he isn't, you know, he is taking some of those backup minutes away. Plus Simmons isn't a good match for either one of those. So this, you know, this may be a game uh, that I find nobody in my lineup, or maybe I choose, uh, you know, Simmons uh, or Harris and go with one of the Philly guys. But, but it just doesn't seem like a great DFS uh, points style game for me. Um, you know, but, you know, R.J. Barrett does take a lot of minutes, takes a lot of shots. You know, I think that just gets dispersed a little you know, bit with everybody. So I don't think it's just going to affect a Bullock. And they've even been playing a couple of guys. You know, Trier gets a few minutes. Dotson gets a few minutes. It's just a mess there. It's too hard to try. I can, to uh, point, so. I can attempt to try to talk you off Randall if you'd like. Sure. I mean, just the simple fact that a lot of his production was with Morris out of the lineup. Uh, when Morris missed those three games, two of those games, he was over 46 points. The other one yeah. uh, was a 35-point game against the Lakers, so tough matchup. And then you look at some of his other blow-up games with Randall in the lineup. Two of them were against Washington. Those are just cake-easy matchups. One of them against Brooklyn, where they're pretty weak against frontcourt. So that's kind of my reasoning on why I'd rather play Morris, um, especially knowing that he's probably going to get a few extra shot attempts with Barrett off the floor. You know, and Randall's and he's probably. much cheaper, too. Yeah, $2,000, yeah. $2,100 savings on DraftKings. Yeah, but I still, I, I'm still, still even a little bit afraid just because of that split of usage with, with Randall because they're both somewhat, when they get hot, somewhat dominant uh, needing the ball. But, you know, I'm with you, man. I, I Like I say, I doubt I'm going to go, uh, you know, dip in on this game. Plus I, I really respect Philadelphia's defense. Um, did I, I don't think I went over in the last game, the Detroit and Atlanta pace and defensive. Did I forget to do that? Um, I honestly, I couldn't tell you. You could just let me, re, let me mention I... it just in case. Cause I know our listeners, you know, really count on jotting down some notes here just in case you did miss it. Cause I don't believe I said it. Uh, Detroit is the 21st paced team. Atlanta's third, so it's a huge pace-up game for Detroit. Another nice, you know, reason that it will help some of those guys uh, run the floor. Uh, also, from a defensive standpoint, another reason this is a good game to target. Uh, Detroit's 20th, Atlanta's 24th, so certainly more and more reasons to play that game as well. All right, man, let's move on to the first 8 o'clock game. It's the Toronto Raptors uh, at the Minnesota Timberwolves. We've got Toronto minus 5.5 road favorite. Uh, the total is 223. Raptors a 114.5 implied total. Minnesota 109. And we've got both teams on the second night of a back-to-back. So that's interesting. Um, it will be a definitely hot contested game um, with Cat being back now. Um, from a pace standpoint, Toronto's dead in the middle of the pack at 15th. Minnesota plays fast. They're seventh. Uh, Toronto is now the second best defensive team in the league, and they, they moved up even when they didn't have a Bach and Siakam in there. So 
don't be surprised if they don't uh, try to chase down Milwaukee. But I do think those are the two best defensive teams in the league myself um, as of right now. Minnesota 15th, so in the middle of the pack defensively. And actually with Cat back, they're not uh, really better. They improved on defense uh, with uh, more with Jang at uh, playing the, the minutes at center. So something to keep aware of there. Um, you know, interesting game. Uh, should be fairly hot hotly contested game uh what what do you think mike uh so i'll start with the way team we'll start with toronto i think this is just a great bounce back spot if you want to look at siakam you know he was playing well in the last one but just the blowout nature going against the wizards really limited his minutes um so i have no problem going back to the well uh with him at 8k i think he's just a solid option if you want to look at him in cash and tournaments can easily hit that 40.4 for the 5x and then definitely has some 50 plus point upside in here uh, Powell yeah. is going to continue to play uh, solid minutes. I um, believe they're expecting Van Vliet back, and I think you'll see a lot of people kind of hop off of that. But that $5,500 price tag still makes me feel comfortable in the 5X. I wouldn't expect full minutes from Van Vliet um, if he does suit up. So he's an option. And then I think uh, Gasol, $5,100. I kind of steered people clear from him in the last one. I apologize. I am going to you know say proceed with caution for the simple fact I don't think he's going to shoot six or seven from deep again. Uh, that led to just the hot, the hot shooting seven and nine from the floor. And the fact that seven of his nine shots in total were from, from behind the arc. So hmm. I still think he has some, uh, some upside in here at five at 5.1 K on DK I can easily see a five to six X return. I just wouldn't be banking on another huge 42 and a half point game from him. So I'm really yeah. going to be just kind of looking to spend up. I think if I'm playing anyone, it's going to be Siakam. Um, and then maybe if I want to pivot off of him and go with a little bit of Gasol, that's probably going to be my two primary options. And then on the Minnesota side, not a lot of interest in anybody. If you want to look at Napier as a 5X return guy, great. I'm not going to be looking at him too much in tournaments. I'm not expecting a huge return on that price tag, um, especially with Towns back in the lineup. And I'm not going to be going to Towns or Wiggins uh, in this matchup. Towns, you know, second game back on a back-to-back. I just don't think it's necessary. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Um, I just uh, read the updated info. You're, you're dead nuts as usual. It says uh, Fred Van Fleet. This was last night. Fred Van Fleet will not play Friday uh, because of the back-to-back, but is expected to return Saturday. So that definitely takes a, a little chunk out of uh, Powell for sure. And, uh, you know, uh, even Lowry slightly, but you know I love Lowry, uh, both Lowry and Van Fleet all year. They've been great, but you can't expect that uh, you know you're going to get super minutes out of Van Fleet just coming back, you know, from an injury. So uh, I, I would steer clear there. I think Lowry remains in play for Toronto. Um, I like Siakam; he's phenomenal. He does. He is probably going to get a little Roco defense, which you know, is a little bit tougher. Uh, he's a pretty good defender. So that, you know, makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, you know, Gasol on the second night of a back-to-back after just coming back isn't exactly exciting. So I'm leaning more towards a Lowry play here. Um, on the Minnesota side, um, not playing Cat on the back side of a back-to-back. I do like the Napier play, though. I think, you know, he is the point guard. He is... is value still there uh, with this trade that they made. You know, it, it seems to have opened it up uh, for sure a little bit there. Uh, interesting, though, the very first game they get rid of the T, Cat comes back and plays, sort of uh, 
interesting if you you wonder what is going on behind uh, closed doors there just a little odd um wiggins like we talked about before it's just he sort of i don't know I'm, I'm seeing some of the reverting to the old wiggins being a little bit not connected out there i don't know what the deal is you know when he was playing pure point guard it seemed he did the best so i'm not sure I, i'm not uh, comfortable though uh really with any Minnesota guys. I just don't think that I think Toronto being such a good defensive team is, uh, is pretty darn substantial. And, uh, you know, that just, uh, gives me a little concern, uh, going that direction. So anything else on that one, buddy? Nope. I'm good to go. All right. Uh, real quickly here, just want to mention again, uh, our presenting sponsor, my bookie fantastic online wagering go to mybookie.ag put in the code promo code dfs today the name of our show all one word and you get up uh you get half of your first deposit even if you put in 100 bucks you're getting 50 free bucks to take a shot uh, at anything there on mybookie.ag most respected site in the wagering industry quick payouts great customer service definitely look them up um please continue to listen to our seven day a week in front of the paywall uh, nba dfs coverage i believe it's the best in the industry and you can find us anywhere uh, podcasts are found you can tune us in on itunes google play stitcher podbean iheart spotify or youtube and all we ask our one ask every show is that you please take that 30 seconds max is all it takes to rate, review, subscribe, click the alarm to uh, let you know when our, uh, on uh, YouTube, for example, it'll give you an alert as soon as our pod is posted. You can also set those on your phone on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. So every time an updated uh, pod is put up on, on, uh, the podcast world, you're able to tune in and listen to it right away. Um, when you when you do that rate, review, subscribe, again, in that little 30-second pocket of time we're asking from you, uh, hit the five stars, the likes, the positive reviews, comments, thumbs up, all those little things that really help us build the show, you know, entice sponsors to get involved because, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm proud of it, so I mention it on every show. There's no other show that covers NBA DFS like us. I mean, absolutely none. I guarantee you that because I've done a lot of research on it. We have covered every slate that started with FIBA and went into the preseason. We've done the regular season. We will do the entire postseason. We will do the entire NBA Summer League again, and we will do the entire Olympics. And then it'll go right back in the preseason NBA uh, next year. So you're not going to find this anywhere. We never miss a game. We haven't missed a game. Uh, we have committed as DFS pros at hoop-ball.com to continue to bring all of this content to you. And uh, so, you know, we just appreciate uh, any, any time you take uh, to throw us a quick review Throw us a tweet when, you know, comments, good, bad, or indifferent, especially like that last one that was uh, a funny one about Mike. That that made my day. I know that was a riot. 
Um, anything you can throw up there, we appreciate it. And then when you build some successful lineups and win, win something, shoot it up there. We're you know not saying that because we're trying to build our own, you know, just build our own deal. But we, you know, our family out there that listens to this every day, we love you guys. So we want to shout you out and give you your props uh, for, for building some winning lineups. So shoot that over to us for sure uh, on Twitter. Uh, you know, please support our hoop-ball.com. Uh, home office that's our home hub that gets uh, all this out disseminates it all over to the podcast world um, you know they have some fantastic stuff at hoop-ball.com some premium memberships that you can get there's uh, a, a bruise letter that comes out that talks about all 30 nba teams you can sign up for free on the website and then you know go to hoop-ball.com click on forums click on the dfs thread and you will get up-to-date information uh, that specifically andy is uh, really feeding the information in there constantly also our four pros are putting information up there on a regular basis throughout the day whether it's player news game changes scratches you name you name it it's up there so that's your first spot you should go and then on twitter at hoopball fantasy is where all of that is being fed into on Twitter and certainly the four pros because we're on there between the four of us. I swear it's 24-7, I think. I'm at J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. My man is at M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. Our buddy Andrew is at Language Olympic. Miles is at Miles, M-Y-L-E-S, 6565. So follow us uh, throughout the day, evening, whatever. We're always posting and have our eyeballs on NBA DFS. So that is the scoop there. Uh, Again, we really appreciate your listenership. We continue to grow uh, show over show uh, and – really are thousands of listeners and it's international. We have a, a, a big shout out to, to our, our large Australian group that is now part of really the, the uh, hoop-ball.com NBA DFS today family and uh, sprinkled throughout Europe and everywhere else. So we love it. Absolutely love it. So continue to join us as we grow out the show. Okay. We have four games left. It's funny because sometimes we're on here and we have a three or four game slate and we still haven't complete four games left and we've been on here for a while. So let's jump right to it. Uh, the 830 game, uh, there's actually two of them. The first one is the Los Angeles Lakers at the Houston Rockets. Hold Houston on, Coach. Rockets. You're motoring too quickly. Yes. We, we skipped the game. It's going to be one we that's did. kind of almost worth skipping, but yeah, but we didn't touch on the Cavs and Bulls. Oh God, I don't want to touch on the Cavs. I'll make bulls. it quick for you. Uh, we'll just we'll just motor through this. I'll you... just tell you the Bulls are a six and a half point favorite. It's a two fourteen and a half, lowest under over under on the board, and I've already scratched it off my board. Yeah, and that's, that's probably the, the best reasons for it. So I'll just touch on. Uh, there's only one player I have any sort of interest, and in. it's only in GPPs, and it's going to be like Chris Dunn. On the ball side of the ball, though, we can just keep motoring, and it's just because how bad the Cavs' backcourt is. We've seen plenty of teams carve them up recently. 
Um, and two young guards that are going to be handling the ball a lot means plenty of turnovers available, and those are the games that Dunn thrives in. Yeah, this this game just sucks. And, you know, I uh, Levine, I guess you can talk about just for half a second because the Cavs' backcourt stinks so bad. But both teams are on ba- a second night of back-to-backs, and just the, the numbers, it's just not conducive to a strong DFS play. So if you want to play, you know, just a one-off, you know, like uh, you mentioned, uh, that might be the way to go. But certainly do not focus much on this game if you want to have success. So skipped it accidentally, yeah. but almost on purpose. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, a lot of people are going to go to Cornette in this game. So I think we should probably just mention him as a decent value. Yeah, with true. Uh, 5,500, though, as far as GPPs. I didn't play him last night in the GPP, and it worked out fine for me. He hit that 5X value. I just don't see a huge ceiling-type game coming from him. So if you want to use him in cash, go for it. Uh, but you're not even getting a great value out of him at this point. No, and you'll have a few people chasing Kevin Love as well because they're showcasing him a little bit. But, uh, you know, again, none of those plays would be any I'm planning on making. So uh, you're on your own if you want to pivot to somebody in that game for sure. Okay, let's get back to a real game. And this game is an exciting game and definitely has a lot of DFS, uh, you know, uh, appeal for sure for tonight. Uh, that 8:30 game is Lakers Houston Houston by two, a big 232 over under, which uh, wins the prize for the main slate for the highest total. And we've got a 117 implied for Houston, 115 for the Lakers. Um, as far as pace, Lakers all the way up to 12th. Houston the second fastest team in the league. Defensively, we know the Lakers can d it up. Uh, but not quite as good without Davis in there for sure. Uh, They are third in the league defensively. Houston is 16th, uh, middle of the pack. A lot of that that is because Westbrook does a good job shutting down point guards. Um, Right now the news for the Lakers, we have questionable tags on AD, who has sat out ever since he fell on his butt a week or so ago. And when he fell like that, even though it was – I know it was a pretty hard fall, but I I looked over at my son and I said, that's two weeks. For anybody else, they'd have been back the next game. But he is now getting close to going into that second week of miss, so who knows. So he's questionable. Rondo is questionable, and Caruso is probable. On the Houston side, I have Rivers as ruled out, so that'll open up some minutes, extra minutes, I guess, for those uh, wings, uh, shooting guards like Macklemore and a few other people. But uh, that's the lowdown, man. How do you see this game playing out? Well, I just want to give a quick little shout out to, um, I guess I don't want to tote my own self, but, you know, um, us, all of us uh, here at Hoopball. I mean, so far, I think every time that we've said fade Harden, uh, it's panned out well for us. So we've been getting that call right. Now, do I feel comfortable about fading him on this slate? Absolutely not. He's just too cheap. I think 11-2 for James Harden is just a little too cheap. So I'm probably going to be leaning more towards him over Westbrook. Um, I don't. I know that the the perimeter defense has been excellent for the Lakers, but James Harden's in his own category. Uh, coming off of a down game, you got to 
figure for a nice little bounce back spot. I see him getting to the line probably about 14, 15 times this game. Um, so I'm going to have a ton of interest in James Harden. I probably won't be going towards Capella too much just because we've already touched on a guy similar price tag. First game of the slate, DeAndre Ayton. I like his spot a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably it for me. If you wanted to go you know, down to Westbrook to get that savings of 1900 on DK, uh, quote, not going to knock you. Uh, but I'm just leaning a little bit towards uh, Harden at this point. I don't blame you. How about the Lakers? It's LeBron or nothing for me. Um, I'm even if even if what's his name's out, uh, Anthony Davis. Davis. Yeah, I think it's you know you could take a shot on Kuzma, but 6200 takes a little bit of the appeal for me away. I don't target too many centers, and McGee and Howard are both priced up on DK. I know you're a big Coldwell Pope guy. He's the one guy I see in the bench. Maybe you know him or Danny Green having that game, but I don't I don't like investing on just guessing which which perimeter guy off the bench is uh, gonna have the decent game. So. Uh, it's LeBron or bust for me, and even when I'm looking at that 11K price tag, I'd rather pay 200 for Harden in tournaments for the upside in cash. You know LeBron's got the floor to get it done every single night, especially in this matchup, so it makes sense in cash game, but for tournaments, it's Harden over him for me. Okay. Yeah, it's it's going to be an intriguing game, that's for sure, and I I believe it's, it's the national TV game uh, on one of the stations tonight, so you're going to get even a little extra ownership, but... You know, if AD sits, LeBron is always extremely in play. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, it's hard not to want to go there uh, even when AD does play. So LeBron has to be, uh, you know, a high, uh, you know, high spot for me and one of the guys I'd like to build around. Um, But I do want to get the rest of the news uh, specifically on AD and a little bit on Rondo. Um, Really, it's... You could go Kuzma if you want to here. I think he has some value in a game like this. It's an up-paced game. He seems to thrive in that type of a scenario, and his price is decent. So I think that's another direction you can go. Um, uh, If AD does play, uh, you know, the question is, what's the minutes restriction? I'm not going to want to mess with that at all. Um, So that's probably all I'm going to do on that side. You know, I respect the Lakers perimeter defense so much with, you know, Danny Green and Avery Bradley and even Pope off the bench, uh, Rondo when he plays, and then just, you know, running them into uh, the rim protectors. Good night. The rim protectors, you know, with AD in there, along with either McGee or Howard, if they're all playing, it's just nasty. You can't, I mean, they block 20 shots in one game the other day, as a, which was an organized uh, organization record. They didn't keep blocks back when Wilt played. But uh, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. So, you know, that changes things for me from the Houston side. I think Houston's going to get a lot of ownership. Um, I haven't made a decision on the Harden situation here. Um, I'm, I would like to play him. He has been shooting extremely low percentages uh, from three specifically, which is a concern. Um, Westbrook, uh, I think with the, with the defense, as mentioned, you know, with Bradley and Green, I think, think they'll be able to at least keep him in check. Um, you know, Capella is not a bad play because they're not going to go, Lakers aren't going to go small and play Capella off the floor. Uh, Because with, you know, with Davis 
and uh, Howard, or I'm sorry, if Davis plays, but with Howard and McGee, usually they have a big in there. So Capella's in play, but, you know, his price tag is still pretty aggressive. Um, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard game. I, you know, I might with rivers out, try to determine where those minutes are going to go. And if they are going to go more towards like a Macklemore, I think you got to, you know, possibly look at one of those wings just because they may, you know, be in a pace up, uh, you know, the game will be a pretty good pace type game, but, uh, you know, I think I'm going to go LeBron. I'm going to debate the Harden scenario here. I hate to play all of my salary, top two salaried guys in this one nationally TV televised game where they're going to get extra ownership. But, you know, those are probably the two highest scoring potential guys on the slate, you know, along with maybe Drummond and Trey Young being the other two. Uh, that I can see here in Kawhi as well, but he's the early slate. So it's a tough game. I think it's the key pivotal game that you have to either take a stand on the the two main guys there, or, uh, you know, if not, then you, you build that medium level build that also can be effective. So I um one thing I want to touch on before we get to the next game, if Davis is ruled in, I'll play Davis. Um, I, it's just, I think from an organization standpoint, they wouldn't be playing him unless they know they can get him out there for his full complement of minutes. They wouldn't risk it. They would just keep benching him. Uh, knowing that Davis coming in questionable, uh, he's always going to be lower owned than any other like guy in the slate around that same price tag, same price as Trey young makes for an excellent pivot. Um, so I, I think if Davis plays for GPPs, I think he's extremely viable for tournaments. Um, if he plays. I don't disagree with you, but I would say that we probably won't have the news on that at lock. So do not roster Davis on the two sites <clears throat> that do not have late Absolutely swaps. Absolutely. Good point. Good point. Want to go into that game with a zero, you know, certainly if you want to take a crack at him, uh, you know, on, on the two sites that you can swap being uh, DraftKings and Yahoo, then go for it because you got tons of pivots if he doesn't play that you could switch to that are higher priced in these late games. So that's just one important piece. All right. Three games left, uh, eight 30 Orlando match at golden state warriors. Orlando's a minus five and a half. It's a two thirteen over under, uh, implied total for Orlando one Oh nine for the warriors. One Oh three and a half. Uh, Orlando is the 27th slowest team in the league let's put it to you that, that way instead of saying fa- fastest when you're when you're that low on the list you're slow so they do not play fast golden state 13th so somewhat in the middle of the pack people feel they play a little faster but they're actually only in the middle of the pack defensively orlando solid they're seventh and golden state is 22nd as far as the news we know carter williams is questionable for orlando so not sure if he's going to be in there, which does make a difference because, you know, it affects the whole Fultz, DJ Augustine, all that rotation of those main guards. From Golden State side, uh, Robinson is questionable, and he's been logging 36, 38 minutes every game for a long time. So that could be a bunch of minutes that open up. Keep an eye on that. And we know Evans is out, Jacob Evans, and Draymond Green is not playing. So it uh, definitely changes 
uh, a few things with him out. Uh, what do you think, Mr. Patria? I have some definite interest in this game. Uh, I always have interest when I see Golden State on, and it's not necessarily because of the pace. It's just a combination of things. We kind of know where their usages come from. Uh, we kind of know the guys that we want to play on there night in and night out, and I'm just going to continue going with that. Uh, we'll start with Orlando before I get too far. Like I said, our way team, I, I'm going to be looking at Nikola Vucevic. 8300 is more than a fair price tag. Uh, centers have kind of had their way with Golden State this season, and he's just been crushing ever since Isaac's been out of the lineup, looking like that Vucevic of last season where yeah. he kind of earned himself this big contract. Should be probably priced closer to 9 k as opposed to on DraftKings at 8300 So he's going to be my main focus, and then I'll, I'll take a couple of off shots on Terrence Ross here and there at 5300 I, I kind of like this game script and scenario for him. He's been playing... Uh, either high 20s or low 30s, especially if these guys continue to be ruled out like Augustine and Michael Carter-Williams. Uh, so I'll be looking at him, but he's really scoring-reliant. Probably don't feel as comfortable with him in cash as opposed to tournaments. Um, that's probably going to be it for me on the Orlando side of the ball. And okay. then if I slide over to Golden State, Russell at 7,400 is just a little too cheap. Yes, you know Orlando's been good defensively all season long. Uh, but outside of the blowout from uh, with, against Dallas, where they lost by almost 30 points, I think they lost by 27, um, he's had no game less than uh, 43 fantasy points over the past five. So uh, yeah. he's coming in underpriced for me. I think Damian Lee, you can look at him at 5,500, played well in his first game back, proven why he deserved that contract, uh, yeah. that two-year with the one-year non-guaranteed. 40 DK points, viable, especially if Glenn Robinson's out. And I'm going to have a ton of uh, – Eric Pascal. I mean, I do this every time we see Draymond out. It didn't pay off in the last one, but at 4,100 with uh, with Draymond out, I would expect 30, uh, 30 or high 20s minutes from him, and he can easily pay that off. Put up 27 in the last game and only 20 minutes against Denver. Yeah, I like this game a lot, man. I, I know, you know, it's at 213, so it's like, why are you guys, you know, wanting to play this game when it is the dead cinch lowest over-under on the whole board? I, you know, I just think there's a few good plays here, man. I, I think Vuk's a great play. Um, you know, Golden State doesn't exactly have the best interior defense, especially with Draymond out, because Draymond can pretty much guard anybody from, you know, the one to the five. Um, you know, and it, interesting, the Golden State story, and you, you, you touched on it. I thought it was really cool as well. But I, I want to bring it up for a couple of reasons. Uh, Damian Lee just has absolutely played his ass off this year. And he was a two-way player, and you only get 45 days that you can be with the big team. And he reached that uh, a couple of games ago. And they were having to determine if they were going to uh, send him back down, which then he could go play uh, for any other team that claimed him if he went back to the G League. Or you know if, if they signed him to a real deal. They were going to have to let somebody else go. So what they did is, uh, and he got a well-deserved, he got a three-year contract, two years of it guaranteed. So there's a guy that almost was is a smidgen from being out of the league that now has uh, some, some millions in the bank and is set to go. And what they did was they cut Marquise Chris uh, just for the two days until they worked out the contract with Damian Lee. Then when they put him on as a regular contract, they bought, brought Chris back, uh, believe it or not, as the two-way player that took his place. So Chris now will have a 45-day span that he can uh, spend with the Warriors, and they'll probably make a similar decision with him. So, uh, again, my reason for bringing that up is Chris will get a little time defensively against Vuk, uh, which I don't think he's that great at uh, 
defending Willie Cauley Stein either. So Vuk's one of my you know, guys with Aiton and Drummond that I think those guys are great plays uh, for sites where you can play multiple bigs. Uh, I also say that from the Damian Lee side. I just I know he had a really good game yesterday, and I think you'll start to see a little regression though. I've watched it multiple times with multiple players in this type of situation is once they do get the deal, it's I don't think it's on purpose. I think it's just subconsciously they relax just a little bit and don't quite play with the edge that they did prior. So, hey, we're looking for every tiny edge we can get for you guys and just something. Uh, it's one reason why I'm not going to roster Lee until I see how it's going to work out here in this next week or so. Um, I do like some of the guys, uh, Pascal and Spellman. I think they both have a chance to do well. But I can tell you D'Angelo Russell is one is one of my pillar plays. And I can't remember this season having a pillar play in a game that's the lowest total on the entire slate, especially in an 11-game slate. So very bizarre, but I just, you know, I don't, don't see it. Why I want to fade him? I'm I'm not crazy with Orlando's backcourt defense. Uh, you know he shoots the ball like crazy. He's a high potent scorer, and I think he's going to go overlooked at a very fair price. Am I overstating D'Angelo Russell? No, absolutely not. I I one of the my core foundational pieces pairing him with even a guy like Pascal, you can get two guys in this game and still feel comfortable uh, even with that low total. And then even run it back with a guy like Vucevic. Uh, this one could stay close too. So like, I, I definitely am with you. I think Russell at 7,400 is just, he's a thousand dollars too cheap. And we, you know, we, we, we talk about guys being underpriced by a couple hundred dollars. Once you start talking about a guy being underpriced by a thousand, um, it becomes almost that, you know, pillar piece, like you said, and maybe not must play territory because it's not like he's going against the Hawks or anything at 7,400, but it becomes a foundational piece that can easily get overlooked because of a game total. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to figure. And I think we may be somewhat contrarian with, with playing guys, you know, we may have three guys from this game in our lineups, it sounds yeah. like, and that definitely contrarian so we'll keep uh, that we'll contrarian keep, train rolling too next yeah game. let's I got do that we'll be yeah exactly all right two games left portland oklahoma city it is a nine o'clock game actually the last two games are at nine eastern so there's no true late night sweat hammer 10 or 10 30 game so it's a it's an early night for guys like you that get up at five o'clock in the morning uh, mike you can actually get a good night's sleep buddy yeah, I was uh, I was loving I was loving that um, that Mavs game that started at 9:30 Eastern time the other day. I was actually able to stay up and watch the entire thing. Nice, nice. All right, we uh, Trailblazers at Thunder. Thunder six point favorite, 20 and a half over under. Implied total for the Thunder of 113 and a half. Portland 107 and a half. Both teams on the back end of a back to back. So will affect some rotations here and muddy the waters a little bit further, but it should be a very interesting game. Uh, I know Portland uh, played last night here at Dallas and then have just made the little uh, trek up the road here to Oklahoma City for tonight's game. Pace-wise, Portland's 11th, Oklahoma City 24th, much more half-court set style offense. Defensively, though, which puts this in play is Portland's 
21st, Oklahoma City 14th. People think Oklahoma is a little bit better defensively, but they're only middle of the pack. So lots of guys in play on both sides, in my opinion. Uh, we know C.J. McCollum uh, is going to be out. He took a, a nasty ankle uh, a fall twist. So that uh, certainly either brings Simons in play or makes Lillard elevated. But I'll let you game script it out for us. It's both, and it's going to you hit the nail on the head. It's how you're game scripting it. So if you have the money to spend, yeah, feel good about spending it on Lillard. 8200 is way too cheap of a price tag. He's going to see increased usage uh, with McCollum off the floor. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's getting about 33.7% usage, only 1.3 DK points per minute. We'd like to see that a little, little bit higher. Um, but you know, it's a, it's it's not a sample size. We haven't seen McCollum miss full games very often this season. So um, I'll be getting plenty of shares of both those guys. I mean, Anthony Simons just a great value play in general. You can couple him with a guy like Pascal and get one of those other guys and stars and scrub the crap out of this lineup and get those expensive guys that we've talked about earlier. You know, pair a Harden with a guy like Drummond and feel good about the rest of your lineup. And that's kind of the approach I'm taking a lot of these uh, a lot of these lineups. So um, I'll be getting both Simons and Lillard. I've had a couple lineups where I can even get Harden. Uh, Lillard and Drummond. Um, I know it sounds crazy, but we have wow. that. Yeah, it's a stars and scrubs or sir. You couple with a little bit of Pascal, a little bit of Anthony Simons, and a couple of those other guys that we touched on a little bit earlier. Get a couple mid-tier guys like a Morris in there to round it out, and you can feel good about it. So I'm getting exposure to both those guys, and I don't even mind looking at a guy like Whiteside. Uh, 7,900 is just way too cheap from them. Normally don't target too many centers going against OKC, but we don't have the news if Adams is going to be playing or not. And that's part of the reason why Noel holds his, he holds his own defensively. But when you just talk about a body mass size difference between Whiteside and Noel, he'll be able to bully him down low a little bit as well. So all, all three of those guys firmly in play with, for me, uh, probably won't be going to too much Baysmore after, you know, we got that big game out of him. Uh, so that's probably it and highly exposed to it. I'll tell you, Whiteside is the guy that really helped me uh, have a, a nine and nine and zero night last night. Because I just, I'm telling you, Dallas can't defend in the paint against a good center. I mean, they're playing Kleba and uh, Powell together and just getting murdered inside. And uh, Whiteside went went crazy. So I, you know, having to go against the Thunder, which is a much better defensive interior team uh scares me a little bit on him so i i'm i like some other centers better are you, are you scared if uh if if adam sits though are you uh, is it this uh, does that change move the needle for you at all well it, it does for me that's why i'm asking. i'm a hundred percent uh not even considering of adam's plays but i'm still probably not going to play him even though uh even if he does just because i respect nerland's noel uh, you know, rim protection. And I think that the, the way that the Thunder have played defensively this year, uh, they funnel a lot into the middle and they get a lot of, they have a lot of young rangy guys like Baisley that can cause trouble. And I just haven't seen them. I think part of the reason they've been on such a, a good winning record here the last month or so is, their defensive schemes working perfectly. And it all starts with Chris Paul. So let me start right there. I'm not going to play Dame Lillard because I, if you've watched Chris Paul the last month, he's playing like he did 10 years ago. I mean, he's defensively just shutting people down. He's running the show. He's efficiently shooting. 
He's back to the days of where he gets eight assists and one turnover. I mean, he's just a good player. So, you know, it. I think Simons is probably going to be like just insanely overowned because he's going to be the first value that everybody goes to. And and I don't blame you. And I could go there. I may, but uh, you're going to, you know, he's certainly going to get a ton of ownership. Um, so really that eliminates everybody on the Portland side for me. On the Oklahoma City side, though, I like, I like Gallinari in this game. I think he's a really solid play. I think Shea could have a really good game. And I don't even mind Paul. So I, you know, I can see a, a little two-man uh, thunder stack for me coming out of this game just because I think they're playing more efficiently and uh, I think they can expose Portland defensively because uh, they're definitely not getting it done on that side of the ball. Um, I'm with you. I like Shea a lot. I think Shea is going to be my top guard option when you, you take you know price into consideration between him, Paul, and uh, Schroeder. You know, those are the three guys that we're generally looking at, that three-way rotation. Um, I just like the fact that he'll get some Anthony Simons defense if Simons ends up starting this game. And I like to target younger guards who, you know, fill in for positions. Generally, these guys, you know, they're playing decent minutes, but they don't spend a lot of time guarding uh, some of the best offensive options on the other team. You know, Simons comes off the bench, gets a lot of his run against second unit and fourth quarter right. garbage time. So I think that's a point of emphasis I can attack. Uh, and I'll, I'll have a little interest in Noel if Adams is out. He only played 22 minutes in his first game back after a six-game absence, and it's a back-to-back, so that does worry me. But if we get the word that there's no sort of restriction and or he'll be playing 26 to 28 minutes or something like that, um, I'll definitely have some interest in him. Outside of that, I, I don't want to go to Gallinari. I don't mind it. I'm not going to knock you for it. I just don't like chasing. Um, he's been playing well lately. I don't play him often, so it's kind of one of those situations where I don't hop on a train that I'm yeah. not normally riding. So. Well, he'll um, be guarded probably by Mello. Carmelo. Yeah, that makes you good, happy. <laughs> I actually kind of like Melo more than him, though, to be honest. So I didn't touch on Melo too much on the other side just because I have so much. But, uh, you know, he's ne- if there's one thing Melo has done this season, it's payoff against narratives. Uh, yeah. And going against his former team in OKC that gave True. up on him relatively quickly, added and coupled with the fact that he's going to see a little bit of increased usage, most likely, with McCollum off the floor. Smart um, play. So the, there's, you know, that's probably the pivot I'm going to take, you know, at, at a similar price tag. I think he's $300 cheaper on DK than Gallo. So it's going to be tough, man. Uh, it's going to come down to construction, what exposure you're going to be getting to these other guys, because it's hard not to like Lillard. But when you're paying up for other guys and you don't want to stars and scrubs it, it makes sense to kind of, you know, pivot in other options like a guy like towards a guy like Mello. And then, yeah. like I said, I love Whiteside so much. I probably have him as one of my you know, top three options on the slate as far as centers. The only ones I really have a little bit more interest in, you know, a guy like Drummond. But if you can't pay up for Drummond, Whiteside or DeAndre Ayton makes sense and or a Vucevic. But I think he's going to fly under the radar with all those other guys on this slate. And, you know, we've talked about this earlier in the year, Coach. This dude is just consistent. I don't care he about is. the matchup sometimes. It's, it's If he's getting 30-plus minutes, he's not putting up less than 39 or 40 DK points. And then he has that upside for 50 to 60 every single night. He is steady as a rock. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you on the Portland side, you, you may be right. Carmelo might be the best play of all just because, you know, he's going to produce and there is a slight narrative there. And uh, you know, it doesn't seem, it doesn't matter if they're playing five games in a row, his age or whatever, he's going to get in there and he's going to play and he's going to shoot. So, you know, he's always a safe, safe floor. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to say to keep an eye on, though, if for some reason Noel is on a, a minutes 
restriction or does sit and Adams sits, uh, then you do have to, you just have to play Whiteside because he'll be guarded by Muscala and he'll just murder him. So you know something to keep an eye on. I don't know if you'll have the news or not, but if if you do, uh, even you know more. that would uh, roster like, shifter. Sure, I like it even more not having the news. Get him at a l- even lower ownership because, True. like I said, that consistency is just such a key factor when I look at him. And you're just factoring all these other things that give him a little bit more upside, a little bit more upside, a little bit more upside, but nothing that's going to be substantially enough where it's going to make him have to be must play. So. All no. those make him such a viable tournament play. Yes, you can go with guys like Drummond and DeAndre Ayton and maybe a better matchup, um, and, but you're paying a little bit more for him. But that's exactly it. They're going to garner that higher ownership for that sole reason. Good call, man. All right, let's finish this up. Uh, we have the last game. Like I said, it's also a 9 o'clock Eastern game. It is the Sacramento Kings at the Utah Jazz. Uh, Jazz just win a mul- multitude of games. They're like 14 and two in their last 16 or some insanity. Uh, and I, it's amazing how they do. I think Snyder's might be the most underrated coach in the league, but the Jazz are nine point favorites. It's a, a nice, big, healthy 223 and a half. So nothing wrong with that over under, which is surprising uh, in a Jazz game. Um, you've got implied total for Utah, 116, which is a big number, uh, and 107 for Sacramento. Uh, set, part of that reason uh, is uh, defensively Sacramento 19th, Utah's only 11th, which you would think they were a little bit better. Uh, pace-wise, though, this is a concern. So I, I'm, I'm totally uh, confused in this game. Sacramento's 28th, Utah's 20th. So we have a pretty healthy over-under. We have pretty slow-paced teams. Um, It's odd. Now, as far as the news goes, it looks like Bogdanovich uh, is still questionable. Uh, Bielitsa is probable, and he's been playing good ball. um, And we should return. Bogdanovich said said from his own mouth that he expects to play. We've seen that you know take a turn where the trainers ultimately make the decision, but he said he expects to play. Okay, okay. Well, keep an eye on that one, and we probably won't have that news. Uh, but Mike Mike Conley's back for Utah. He's probable, so I'm sure he won't get full minutes, but it does change things a little bit. Um, I'm just gonna make it real simple for you, buddy. I know you know. De'Aaron Fox has been fantastic. He's certainly uh, in my player pool. I love the way he's playing. But after that, I, I have no interest in any of the other Sacramento guys just based on, uh, you know, whether Bogdanovich plays or not, what that rotation's going to be. Uh, you know, they've got guys coming back. Bagley's playing uh, decent, but it's against Gobert. Um, you know, Gobert certainly can be played, but he's like the seven center we've we've mentioned. Um, and I, you know, it seems like I never want to play Utah guys, but they just win. So I guess you got to talk a little bit about Donovan Mitchell being an option. Uh, he certainly has earned it, and Bogdanovich on his nights, and Jingle and Joe on his nights. So those guys are all in play. They're not going to make my roster. But I would assume you've got a guy or two here. I can just tell. 
Yeah, you know, coach, you know, I, uh, so when we talked about that Golden State Orlando guy and going to another, like, probably guy that's, you know, in a bad spot that I like. And it was this game. It wasn't the last game, obviously. So I thought we were going to yep. start with the, this nine o'clock game. But um, I'm definitely going to have to have some interest in Marvin Bagley, man. I think 5,100, him starting again, played 30 minutes in the last one. Uh, it's a cheap price tag for a guy that we've seen that upside plenty of times. I'm not scared off of the Gobert matchup. Yes, I expect it to be tough, but I would rather take a Bagley knowing he's going to be starting and play an extended run um, in a bad matchup than Bagley uh, in a good matchup playing limited minutes. So I have no problem. Yeah. I think they're going to need his size. Obviously, they're going to need all hands on deck for going against a guy's size like Gobert. So I think he's an option. Is he a cash game play? No, but I think if we can get him at lower ownership in a tough matchup and a good price tag, it makes perfect sense for GPP. If he comes out here and puts up one of those 35 or 40 point games, he's going to break the slate at that price tag and with his ownership. You know, I, I don't think he's off my cash game list. 5,100 is a steal. He's grossly underpriced. Yeah. So I think that he even put he even becomes a cash game option at that number. Probably I right. really do. You're probably right. And I'll tell yeah. you, if, you know, I know Gobert's uh, the back-to-back defensive player of the year and he's a terrific defender but one thing i want want you to notice when you're watching next time he doesn't totally always stone the center that he's guarding why he's the defensive player of the of the year is he lurks and plays such great help side he either alters or blocks everybody else's shot anybody that gets beat off the dribble anybody that goes back door anybody that tries to get an offensive rebound so Yes, I, I'm afraid to play guys that are penetrators like rim finishers and such when Gobert's playing because I know he's there and he's going to protect it better than anybody in the league. But I'm not quite as afraid playing a decent offensive center because you can face up and butt him in the chest a little bit and make some moves around <clears throat> him when he's on the ball. So just something I thought I'd bring up. because That's a fantastic you, point, Coach. Yeah, everybody says, you know, fade because he's playing against Gobert. Well, you know what? You don't have to fade the guy maybe he's guarding. Fade the other guys that are rim finishers, mm-hmm. but, you know, give those other guys a look. So that that makes me want to play Bagley at that price, and I, I may, you know, may well do that. So I love that. I love that take and how you explained it because you're – Absolutely right. And as you were saying it, I had the word help defense on my lips and I just wanted to spurt it. But you just hit the nail on the head. And, you know, he is the best help defensive center that's probably played in the past, you know, 20 years. Like he's that's that's his that's his that's his area. If you ever want to watch old film and even if if there's any young coaches out there, just dial up some of the old Bill Russell for the Celtics film. There's never been a defensive center in the history of the league, and there probably won't be like uh, I, him. I agree with you, but if you put Gobert in that same time span, it would look the same exact way. <laughs> I, I don't take anything away from those guys that played in those days, but when you're talking about eight NBA teams and Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain just standing out as the only two guys of that size and nature and stature and talent in, in that era— they're going to dominate. So I, I don't ever take anything away from those guys. But you put Rudy Gobert uh, in that same time frame, he's doing the exact same. And, and I, the reason I bring up Bill Russell is because he reminds me of that. And not that Bill Russell was even before my time, but I studied a lot of his film. But it's that same, you know, if he's got a foot in or two in the paint, you might as well forget about driving to the basket, dude, because mm-hmm. it ain't happening. So Where do you stand on Bill Russell as a coach, player. though? 
Oh, he, he wasn't a good coach. No, he was yeah. a terrible coach. I wanted to see where you were on. That's he my, did, that's my, you know, he did win a championship as a player coach though. He did. So he did. that, that's, that's something, but you I know, that was 80% guys, player. <laughs> guys like Jordan bird magic. Those guys are terrible coaches, dude. Cause they, their expectations and what they see and what can be done out there. They don't, they don't get it. You know, the, the guys that make the good coaches are the scrappy guys that had to hang on and fight for everything they had to get. A lot of times it's a backup point guards or the fringe guy that, you know, those are the guys that make great coaches because they understand all of those elements of the game. When it comes so easy to you, that's why you'd never see these superstars make good coaches. I mean, poor magic. He tried to coach twice, lasted like 10 games, both times bird couldn't do it. You know, uh, so it's just that's that's a unique thing to watch. But uh, but that's this this should be an interesting game. I think Bagley could be a steal, and I think he's going to be pretty low owned though. I with I'm with you on that one. And your your take is right on point, and I agree with it. I, you don't find too many athletic players who translate to be good coaches. Usually the guys that are the excellent coaches that last a long time in the NBA are the guys that, you know, made a modest career off of fundamental playing. And that's that's the yeah. best way you want to coach because you want a guy it that is. can transition to fundamentals. And that's why when Tim Duncan decided to join the Spurs coaching staff, I was like, with Becky Hammond, I'm like, boom, that is the best move I've seen in years because you're getting two of the most rock-solid, fundamental, actual basketball players on a coaching staff. That's a, a fantastic move by Pop to do something like that. The, the problem, though, is I don't ever see Duncan as a head coach. And I I just – he doesn't too communicate. It's too timid. He doesn't yeah, you're communicate. Right. I timid, mean, he's a, he's, he's a fantastic guy to have as an assistant because you just send the, your bigs down to work with them. You do this, you do that. You can chat about, you know – rotations and setups with him with the big guys but as far as him being a leader like that you know he was he was a silent leader you know he was always uh, very quiet with the the uh spurs i mean avery bradley led the team uh david robinson sean elliott you had all, all those big loud leaders and you know but he was always so quiet but uh it'd be interesting i have no idea why he's coaching I'm sure he doesn't need the money. I no. guess he just loves the game. And, uh, he loves Pop, man. He uh, wants to stick with Pop. He wants to hang Pop. out with him as long as possible. And I think you're right. He's too timid to be a head coach. But it's almost like, you know, when we hear those guys in the offseason going to work with the Kikima Olajuwon, they come back better, man. Uh, it's some guys. Oh, there's can, no doubt about they it. They can transition their actual play into it. But when it comes to X's and O's and, you know, being vocal, like I can't picture Tim Duncan coming out from the sideline no. to scream at a ref and protect his player. I can't see that. But I can right. see him working with a guy over the summer and transitioning in his game. Oh, no doubt. Did you see Pop's interview last night? No, no, I did not. Oh, di- dial it up when we're done here. They lost to the Hawks by one. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's all you need to say, Coach. End they they should have won the game, and they interviewed him after the game. It was just classic pop. It was hilarious. You tell me the, they lose so. to a team under 500 by one, and that's all you need to say. Pop's going, oh, my uh, God. He's doing some wild stuff. So. It was I, so funny. I think Van Gundy said it best he's, when, he had to inter- when he had to interview him that one time, and he was like, I. I I'm just glad that they were up uh, go, going into the half and not down <laughs> seven going into the half. Uh, that was the interview where Popovich just gave him a big hug. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's one of the ones that always stands out in my head. Um, we went off the rails, though, Coach. So I'm, I'm going to just give my take on Utah so we can get out of here. I mean, we've probably okay. 
killing people's ears, and I think they probably forgot that we were even talking about that game. Oh I yeah. Mean, we, we lo- I love our tangents, so man. We we have very similar uh, takes on a lot of these uh, players, coaches, and everything. So. Uh, for Utah, uh, you you hit the nail on the head. Rudy Gobert, I like him. I like the spot. I like the price tag. I like everything about him. But he's also sitting around DeAndre Ayton, Hassan Whiteside, and uh, Vucevic's price tag. And I like all those guys better than him. So he probably won't make my player pool. I'll eliminate him. Um, a lot, you know, Conley coming back is going to take guys like Clarkson probably out of the picture for me. He's still going to have high usage coming off the bench, but it's going to impact his minutes just slightly. Yes, Conley's not going to be playing a full workload, but every minute that comes away is, is a little bit that takes away from Clarkson for me. So, uh, probably won't be playing angles. The guys that are going to have my interest and I say it every single slate shooting guards versus the Kings. So Donovan Mitchell, you'll notice he struggled, um, in this matchup a few times, I mean, he's only averaging about 32 DK points in, um, in 30 minutes against the Kings. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not worried about that. That does not phase me whatsoever. I'm going to be playing some Mitchell. It's just going to be, you know, getting there point per dollar. I'd much rather play a guy like Lillard, only $600 more than Mitchell. But, uh, yeah. you know, you're going to get a lower ownership on a guy like Mitchell on this slate, and he's going to have the upside. And the same thing can be said for Bogdanovich. He's that, yes, he plays, you know, a little bit of the three and the four, but he's he's reality. He's a, he's a three, and he's kind of a shooting guard. That's what he played early in his career. He's done well yeah. against this team. He's averaging 34 uh, points against them in two matchups. Um, so, I, you know, he just fits that mold of the types of players I look to look at at the Kings. Shooting guards just do well. Um, I guess for that same breath, you could keep Clarkson in there. I always see a bench shooting guard. You know, when I was targeting Tim Hardaway against him the other day, Seth Curry right. ended up having a game as well. So it's just shooting guards in general. I always keep them in my player pool when they go against the Kings. Yeah, what a great ad for them to add Clarkson. Perfect fit for them off the bench. Solid day for I, the Jazz. I, I saw the stat the other day. I don't mean to cut you off, Coach, but you just made me think about it. And uh, if I'm not mistaken – uh, up, besides that one game against New Orleans that just happened, they won 11 straight games since they traded for Clarkson. Yeah, they hadn't lost a single game since they picked him up. So uh, that's maybe coincidental, but I'm sure it, it definitely helped. There's no Jalen Brown rolled out tonight too, Coach. Just uh, just came across my screen 39 seconds ago. So boom, right sure. there. Jalen Brown. Brown. Kind of saw that coming. It's you. It's when you sprain a finger or you damage a finger, it's one thing, but when it's your thumb. It's tough, man. You can't do much without your thumb. No, the thumb is is definitely the key for sure. All right. Well, good news. Well, that's all of the updated lines, news, player news, you know, pretty much laid it out there. So we hopefully we gave you a good uh, basis for building your lineup. I got more news for you. Oh, Uh, what do you got? The Clippers called up Derek Walton and Terrence Mann, and that's kind of indicative to that somebody in that guard rotation is going to be missing the game. Um, you know, I, I know we touched on a few guys. I know that Mo Harkless was questionable for that game. Uh, I think it might be a little bit even beyond Mo Harkless, so keep an eye on it. Might be some writing on the wall, some little secretive things going on, whether it's you know Beverly or Shamit or one of those other guys. But you know, calling mm. up one guard is is not a big deal. When you call up two, that kind of points something out to me. Yeah, that's that's a red flag for sure. I mean, can't be just because of the Harkless news. Uh, although if, if Harkless and George are sitting, maybe they have those two extra spots and they want to get a little backcourt depth. But keep an eye on it. Good point. All right, man, let's wrap this sucker up. Uh, you know, hopefully, again, we, we, we get a foundation for you to build uh, some big-time winning lineups this evening. You know, play smart. Don't, you know, Make sure you keep control of that bankroll. 15% max bankroll generally is a good rule. Um, 
check out the pricing on all the sites and make sure you're playing the one that, that fits uh, your style and what you're playing. Uh, we are, again, you know, wanting you to please hit those five stars, likes, positive reviews on iTunes. We're really on a push for the five-star deal. So anything you can do to help us there would be appreciated when you're listening to our podcast daily. Uh, also, you know, go to hoop-ball.com. Uh, hit the uh, forums, DFS thread, get all our info there. Check all of us out on Twitter. We'll be on there throughout the day at Joe Sarvati, at Mike Apatria, at Language Olympic, and at Miles6565. So that's it, my man. Any final words? No, I love this slate. I think this is going to be a rock solid slate. I think we broke it down perfectly. Um, I was actually like, as we were finishing up a couple minutes ago, going through that last game, I was like, I think this might have been some of the best takes that we've given uh, on a podcast in a while. Um, wow. I really, I really liked the way that we ran through this slate. I think we we touched on every single guy that we needed to. We touched on a lot of that injury news and. Um, I'm feeling good going into it. Sometimes that's a bad thing, though, Coach. So I'm going to still just stick with my motto, you know, play that same exposure I normally would any other night, manage my bankroll the right way. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this slate, and I hope everybody else is. I agree with you, man. I, I just think our, our Saturday shows the timing of it and you know, the fact that we're not on time constraints and we really can dig in uh, is really helpful, and our Saturday night uh, record has been pretty fantastic. So let's keep it going today, buddy. Uh, all right. I, I guess we need to turn this over to folks to start building some lineups. So there we go. Um, enjoyed it, Michael, though. Great show, buddy. Um, we want to thank everybody for joining us for another episode of Hoopball NBA DFS today. For our other pros, Andrew and Miles, and of course, my partner in crime here, Mike Apatria, I'm Coach. We'll catch you again tomorrow as we look to crush it in NBA DFS. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.